0: This is Problem Solved, the IISE podcast, where we talk to industrial and systems engineers about their work, ideas, and solutions.
1: Hello and welcome to Problem Solved, the IISE podcast. I'm Keith Albertson. I'm the managing editor of ISE Magazine. And we're here in our ISE studio in Peachtree Corners. Our guest today is Betsy Plattenberg, she's the executive director of Curiosity Lab in Peachtree Corners. Curiosity Lab is a test environment for autonomous vehicles and smart city IoT connectivity. The lab made its debut with a demonstration in September, coincide with the opening of the Smart City Expo in Atlanta, to open and available to companies looking to test their vehicles and devices in a controlled real-world environment. So today we're going to talk about Curiosity Lab and the whole concept of smart cities, which we'll be featuring in the January issue of ISE. Betsy, welcome. Glad to have you with us today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Before we get into Curiosity, Lab. Just tell us a little bit about your background and how you first became involved with the project.
0: Well, I've been involved with Curiosity Lab at Peachtree Corners for about two years. I started as a consultant as we looked at reinvigorating a a tech park, which has uh, 500 acres, 7,500 people working here, and another 1,000 who live here. Um, We looked at many strategies for getting innovation restarted in this area. In the 1960s and the 1970s, uh, Tech Park Atlanta was sort of the hub of innovation in Atlanta. It was created by a gentleman named Paul Duke, a Georgia Tech graduate, who was looking at ways to Retain technical talent in Atlanta, so he created a 500-acre park and recruited tech companies, who then recruited tech graduates. In the 60s and 70s, the color printer was invented um, in Tech Park, Atlanta, as was the modem.
1: Well, now tell us a little bit. We we got to see a lot of what Curiosity Lab offers at the demonstration uh, back in September. Just kind of give us a rundown of all the things that it offers to companies wanting to come test devices.
0: I would be delighted to, and I will add that we add things almost every day. So please. Uh, Uh, Check back if you're listening to this uh, to CuriosityLabptc.com and you'll see um, details of what we've got. But today we've got a a mile and a half autonomous vehicle test track that interacts with people 33 times real traffic crosses this track, and that's a very unusual thing. Um, We are in the midst of this tech park, so there are real people um, living and working in the park. The track has some very unique features though, which I think will be of interest to people listening. It's got a 13% grade in one. It's got curves and it's got tall, mature shade trees. And we're finding that that's very unique in terms of test environments to have those features. The other thing that's really interesting about it is it's 100% owned and operated by the City of Peachtree Corners. And the reason that's important is it's one governmental entity so that if somebody wants permission to test something on our track, they don't have to go through multiple jurisdictions. There's basically one gatekeeper and the gatekeeper is very friendly and wants to test things. We are open to testing on our one and a half mile track, anything from a vehicle that rides on the road to drones under 400 feet. We're also available and interested in testing charging. If you wanted to dig up the road and embed something in the road to facilitate new charging testing, we'd be open to that. We may lay solar panels on on the road we also have the ability to test on sidewalks and the right of way so we have a very uh, robust test environment for mobility testing but it's really more than that it's smart cities so our mile and a half corridor is a feature of curiosity lab but we have everything that surrounds that as well
1: and that's what makes it attractive i guess to companies want to come is that this is kind of the step up from a laboratory you're testing vehicles or devices in a very controlled area and this kind of gets it interacting but in a controlled way with the the real world.
0: It does. So we like to say it's crawl, walk, run. So if you're in a controlled uh, test environment, especially from a mobility perspective, it's usually in a back parking lot. It's level, it's predictable, and it's controlled. And so you're crawling there. If you want to walk, you can come to Peachtree Corners because we get you out there with real people and real traffic. But it's also not Midtown Manhattan. You have the ability to try things with some real world happenings, but not an overwhelming number.
1: And have you got a lot of companies and entities interested in coming to this far? I think. Uh, it's just been in operation for a little while, but how is that come?
0: We on? just opened in September of 2019. But yes, we have interest from around the globe, from early stage startup companies to Fortune 50 companies who are interested in coming and using this test environment.
1: And you have a partnership with Georgia Tech engineering researchers as well, We right?
0: do. We have several partnerships with Georgia Tech. Uh, we have a partnership with the Professional Education Division of Georgia Tech. We actually have classes in our Innovation Center four nights a week, Saturdays and Sundays, uh, for working adults age 18 and over. We have classes um, from coding boot camps to data analytics, and that's proven to be very popular. And we also have a partnership with the Institute for People and Technology. So Georgia Tech uh, recently announced a grant program for researchers across both the academic and applied uh, research components of Georgia Tech, offering researchers the chance to look at some aspect of advanced uh, mobility or autonomous vehicle technology that they're working on to develop proof-of- Concepts here in Peachtree Corners uh, with the hopes of after they have proven a concept to get sponsors to come alongside and make an additional investment.
1: One of the features out there that we've seen early on is Ollie, the autonomous vehicle, which is kind of a minibus, uh, holds, I think, eight passengers and runs along the, uh, the track there and has been running on a regular basis. Company, Local Motors, that builds Ollie has been testing it getting it to learn the environment. Uh, we got a chance to ride on it and, and and take some some video and sort of learn about Ollie a little bit. How's Ollie coming along and learning how to interact with drivers in this kind of environment so far?
0: Well, we like to think of Ollie as a toddler and Ollie is learning just like a toddler would learn um, by experience. Um, one of the things that's really interesting about Ollie is it's a 3D printed shuttle. So it, in terms of how it's made, it's unique. Um, it's very cute. It looks a little like a little tyke's bus, if any, if you have uh, little tykes toys at home. Um, but Ollie is learning every day. In the state of Georgia, you do not have to have a driver when you're testing an autonomous vehicle. But if you were to get in Ollie, there is a person in the vehicle who is a courtesy attendant, not a driver.
1: Safety steward. A safety they steward.
0: Yes, they are, they are there most of the time working on a laptop. Um, there is no steering wheel in Ollie, So you, when, once you get in, you're, you're putting putting your faith in the, the system. It's a level five autonomous vehicle. So it doesn't require a driver. But but Ollie's learning different things different days. Uh, for example, currently there's pine straw all over the uh, autonomous vehicle track. It's fall, it's windy, things are coming off the trees. Um, that obstructs uh, Ollie's computer vision. So Ollie has to learn how to navigate based on the map Ollie has uh, in its head, its past experience, and then what's happening today versus what happened yesterday.
1: Folks can read more about Ollie and see more on our website. We're going to be uh, featuring a little bit more in, and certainly in the January issue. Now, all of this said. Uh, and and Ali and, and what's happening in Curiosity Lab is sort of a microcosm of what's going on with smart cities. We were at and Curiosity Lab had an exhibit at the Smart City Expo in Atlanta in September, where we kind of learned where the, this technology is going. What is is Curiosity Lab uh, maybe an example of kind of what's coming on a, on a smaller scale?
0: We like to think so. We facilitate innovation. We're not the innovators. Um, so when people come to test at Curiosity. Lab. We're not interested in IP. We're not interested in proprietary data. We're just trying to provide a technology playground for companies to bring their tech toys to, to play, to learn something, and then go off into the world. And um, we're very excited. In 2020, we have another company that will be testing in Curiosity Lab. And this is a company that does micro positioning. So any of you that live in a city where there are scooters, um, scooters are great, but scooters also present a problem when they're laying on the sidewalks. Uh, they're, they're a trip hazard. Sometimes they're laying in the road um, and they can be very dangerous. The scooters also have to be recharged at night. And most cities right now, they hire people to go and throw scooters in the back of a car and drive them to a charging station. Not very efficient, but that's the way it's done. So we have a company coming in next year called Tortoise AI. And Tortoise is providing the intelligence behind a scooter operation in a new way. So the Tortoise is partnering with a company called go which will provide the scooters. And what Tortoise does is they have outfitted these scooters with basically training wheels and a camera. So when the scooters are out of position, a teleoperator will turn on the training wheels, turn on the camera, and will drive the scooter back to a safe spot, either a charging station or an appropriate parking spot. Or my favorite feature, you'll be able to use an app on your phone and call a scooter, much like you would call an Uber and the scooter will by itself appear at your door. You take over, drive the scooter to where you want to go, leave it wherever, hopefully not on the sidewalk, but wherever you leave it, the company can then reposition it back to the charging station or back to a safe place. And mm-hmm. we're very excited. We'll have a hundred scooters deployed in Curiosity Lab in 2020.
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, and, and one of the themes that the expo in Atlanta, is that a lot of this technology, it's in different stages. Some of it's still experimental and in the laboratory. Some of it seems to be closer to being rolled out. Some of it is being rolled out in some urban areas around the world. But one of the discussions was, what's that last big step? And it seems to be, as we've talked about, getting the interaction with humans and and getting the interaction with society at large as sort of that last mile gap. How do you see that coming? And is that That kind of where we need to go to get to the smart city future?
0: So, so two things I want to share, which I think shed light on that. If you think about elevators, back in the day when elevators were first invented, there was an elevator operator. People got on an elevator and a person pushed the buttons, took them to the floor wherever they were going to go. Today, all of us would think that would be ridiculous if we got on an elevator and somebody else pushed the buttons. Advanced mobility is very similar in that in the future, the elevator or the car will take us where we need to go. We won't need to do anything, but we're going to be slow to adopt that and feel comfortable with that. I read a survey recently that said 80% of people age 25 and under said, of course, they'd get in an AV vehicle. They wouldn't even concern them at all. 80% of people 55 and over said, no way I'm getting in an AV vehicle and, and letting artificial intelligence basically be responsible for myself and for my family. So I think it's going to be a generational change, and it's going to take us all a while to be comfortable with the new technology because we're giving up control.
1: And another discussion down there was how uh, governments, and particularly smaller cities, smaller cities don't all have the resources, either monetary or the expertise to be able to do all of these uh, high-tech options. And one of the discussions was the sort of pro public-private partnerships, which is what Curiosity Lab actually has going, is kind of the way to do that, that, that a city can offer their, its infrastructure to a business, and the business can use that to test and implement their devices. Is that where uh, the next step is in, in terms of getting a lot of this in, uh, implemented?
0: I think so. I, I don't think that the private sector can go it nor can the public sector. Um, Bringing two entities together with very different interests is really a nice way to advance innovation more quickly. Um, The city of Peachtree Corners is unique in that it only has 45,000 citizens, uh, but it also has 45,000 jobs within the city. Um, It's not a a one-to-one correlation. Not everybody who lives in the city works in the city, but the city's business base is very important. So Curiosity Lab is an economic development investment in order to retain jobs in the city of Peachtree corners, and that's why the city is able to make this investment various corporate partners are coming alongside because they are things that they're interested in testing and advancing as well. So Sprint is one of our partners and they've provided 5G coverage uh, to Curiosity Lab and by extension, all of Tech Park Atlanta. And we're very excited to have them on board because they're providing subject matter experts as well. Uh, because a lot of people um, are not sure what 5G is. It's not just faster phone service. Um, it provides the capability with a very, very large pipe to move things so much faster and provide opportunities that most of us can barely imagine. Uh, But we have Sprint subject matter experts on site to help innovators, whether they're early stage companies or even mature companies, figure out what 5G might be able to do for their business. And it certainly makes Curiosity Lab a much more interesting environment. And
1: that 5G is is vital, isn't it? Because machines talk to each other at a much higher rate with a lot more data than, than people do. Well,
0: they need to. Think about coming back to any one of us driving a car. If you drive a car and a dog runs across the street, you know instinctively and based on your own experience, you see it coming, you slam on the brakes and you stop. But you're making that decision instantaneously. You need that autonomous vehicle to have this same, ability to make a decision quickly across a wide variety of opportunities and scenarios that it's going to encounter. And so 5G enables that because it enables the, the vehicle to run through all the algorithms it needs to do and make a very quick decision, um, hopefully at about the same speed that we might make it.
1: Now, with all this data moving about, uh, one of the discussions with smart cities is how to secure it, uh, how to not only secure data, but also secure privacy, because there are a lot of cameras involved when it comes to smart city sensors and technology. What, what is the the next step to be able to make sure this data is managed properly?
0: Uh, we are very concerned about data security, and there has been a lot of interest in Curiosity Lab as a test facility to see not only to make sure we protect it, but it's an opportunity for people to test hacking and, and what data might be of interest to hackers, how might they get into it. Because every time we have an additional device connected to a network, we are creating an additional opportunity for something to go wrong. So we are very concerned about it, and we're trying to be very thoughtful on how we manage that system. We also have a very unique feature of Curiosity Lab that's relevant, uh, that's relevant important relative to your question. We have received, after much work, um, insurance from Lloyd's of London on the test environment and data security. As far as we know, we're the only uh, test track in the world to have additional, an additional layer of insurance that helps with providing people who are testing another layer of of security.
1: And again, this is part of integrating it into the social fabric. How do we educate people? You mentioned it's generational to some degree, but what's the best way to educate people on all of the technology that's coming and how best to interact? Is there a magic formula to, to get people on board with that?
0: I don't know that there's a, a one magic thing. I think it's just exposure. One of the things that we're really excited about, even though Ollie, the shuttle from Local Motors, is here testing every day and learning things, it's also helping to acclimate people to the idea of an autonomous vehicle and what it can do. And, and one of the things that not all of us think about is autonomous vehicles will provide great freedom for um, people as they age and maybe are no longer able to drive, uh, for people who are disabled aren't able to drive or even children, if you think about all the places that you drive your children to in a future where you didn't necessarily have to do that, but they could be carried to soccer practice or to music lessons safely and securely, um, that opens up all kinds of opportunities. So I think once people start to see how it will change their lives for the better, not how it will just change their lives in terms of control, they'll see that they'll have more control over their lives. But I think it's baby steps.
1: Yeah. And, And that's kind of how this is working. It's not all rolling out at once. It's a piece and a piece and a piece and 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 getting people up to speed on it that way. There's also the environmental aspect of this, which is one of the attractions of smart cities is the sustainability. You're getting more vehicles off the road instead of spewing fossil fuel uh, exhaust. You've got electric vehicles, drones that that might help increase uh, the sustainability and environmental uh, impact. And, and that's certainly one of the attractions.
0: I, th- I think so. I think the future will be dramatically different in terms of how we all think about mobility. And it would be great if we had less pollution, less people on the road and more efficiency all at the same time. Well, what do you see coming
1: next? I mean, we kind of know we, we, we see Ollie, we see drones. Is there something on the horizon we're not even imagining that might be coming in smart city technology somewhere down the road?
0: I'm sure there are. I mean, one of the things that fascinates me are air taxis, which are a little bit further in development than you might think. Uh, but the idea of using the airspace and getting people off the roads is intriguing. Uh, but we are getting um, fascinating inquiries from around the world in terms of what people want to test. And one of the people that I spoke to recently said, think about it this way. When cars were first invented, they were based on the horse and carriage. So it's basically a rectangle that you sit four to six people in because that's what a carriage looked like, that the horse is put Cold. So they said, why is that today that when most people travel under three miles from their home or their business and they travel alone, why are they still going in this big box carriage? And I thought, wow, that kind of makes sense. And, and this particular person is creating a personal pod um, where this their vision is that we all travel around at much lower speed in a very small individualized unit. And why not?
1: Well, that gets more volume off the road right there. Yeah. It's just yeah. a matter of getting used to that. So. And that's what we... Saw in science fiction and and future predictions in years past of these flying cars. That's the Jetsons kind of the
0: are coming coming true. <laughs> there you go.
1: Yeah. Well, Betsy, thank you. It's it's been very fascinating to discuss all this. And Curiosity Lab is we're we're interested to see how it rolls out, which is right about a mile from where we're speaking here. And we look forward to seeing what the next step is in Curiosity Lab and going forward. And anyone who's interested in testing their vehicles and testing their devices can contact you. And, and
0: absolutely. And let me add one thing that, that's really critical and, and usually both amazing and hard to understand for people when they hear about Curiosity Lab. We are not charging for access to our infrastructure. So this is an amazing opportunity that's an economic development investment by the city. So we have the ability to offer not only the 5G, but the track, smart poles, and many other infrastructure, uh, what we call amenities, at no charge.
1: Well, again, we'll uh, have more on that in the January issue of ISC and keep checking our webinars website for more information on Curiosity Lab and smart cities. It is one of the um, things that in 2020 as as we head into a a new decade to come is definitely going to be a topic that we'll be discussing more. Betsy, thank you for your time and for coming in today.
0: Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
1: This has been an episode of Problem Solved, the IISE podcast. If you like what you've heard, then please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. If you're an IISE member, you can participate in discussions about this and other episodes at connect.iise.org. If you're not a member yet, then you can learn all about the Institute of Industrial and Systems Engineers at our website, iise.org. Thanks for listening to our show.